Welcome to another episode of To Serve With Love. I'm Brenda Flores Robles, and today's guest is from the original Latin Kings of Comedy, Joey Medina. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Joey? Good, honey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Cool, cool. So Everybody good? Yeah, everybody's good. Okay, cool. Mike's in Dallas is in Trinity's Planer and iPad. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I want to ask you a few questions. Good. How was your childhood like? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good. Interesting question. Um, <laughs> you know, it was good, I guess. I guess I had like a reg I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the Bronx, New York. And it was, um, you know, when, when you grew up poor, you don't realize you're poor. You just think everybody's poor. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's all, you know. So, um, so I, you know, I grew up in the Bronx and it was, uh, I, I would never, if I had a small child, I would never raise my child in the Bronx now, but, <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, but it was good. You learn a lot. You kind of, you know, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and your parents, well, when you have one parent, I only mm -hmm. had my mom, you know, working two or three jobs, you know, you kind of raised by the whole family and the neighborhood. So it's kind of that way. Awesome. So how did you get into boxing? Mm. You know, I always loved boxing. I really have. I always loved boxing. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I had Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I would mm -hmm. watch Muhammad Ali fight, you know, on television. I would, uh, I saw Rocky when I was a little kid. And, and it was just <laughs> like, it was, I remember, and then uh, I think when I was seven years old, my, one of my aunts got me a, a pair of boxing gloves. And it's funny because she, she only got me one pair. So only two gloves, right? The left and the right. So if I wanted to box with my friends, we, we had to do it one arm each. Like they would have one glove on, we would have the other glove on. And we, we, you know, we would just do one arm like this the whole time. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up fun. poor too. I grew up poor too, but I was just rich. You know, I just felt rich because I had a lot of love. I was surrounded yeah. by so much love. That's yeah, same thing, same thing. And I think, you know, being a Latin, right, Latinos, we have, uh, and of course, everything, everybody's different, but our families are usually really close and there's a lot of love and there's affection. You know, you've got your mom, your grandma, you, you know, you've got everybody around and you've kind of been raised that way. And, uh, and and I had the same thing. And, and the funny thing is, though, when you're, when you're a kid and you're poor, you don't know you're poor. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you, you see people with, you know, the only time I, the only people I knew that had, Two, uh, you know, a father and a mother were just on television. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was, you know, here I'm, here I'm a little boy in the Bronx watching uh, Brady Bunch, and they have a maid. I'm like, really, a maid? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You know. So. so I know that you did boxing as a teenager, right? Well, all the way to an adult. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um. How did, did you feel like you missed out on your, um, while other teenagers were uh, hanging out and you were uh, in the boxing club? No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm glad that happened, you know, <laughs> because boxing actually was my surrogate father. Like it, it, it helped raise me, it kept me from doing drugs. It kept me from doing bad stuff. I mean, I was, I started at 12 years old. I was really, uh, uh, re uh rebellious against my mom because my mom got remarried and, it was, you know, drama. Mm -hmm. And I was I was headed to bad places, I could tell, you know. Um, but when I got into boxing, all of that changed. I, I got my crap together. 
I just, mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was train, 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 train. That's all I wanted to do and, um, and box. So, so it became like my dad and like my mom, my grandmother, they knew where I was every day, you know, every night I was in, I was in the gym or after the gym, I was with my trainer eating at his house, you know, and then I would just go home and then go to sleep and go to school. Now, so I was always, they always knew where I was. Oh, that's awesome. Cause I saw a documentary that you made. I think you were 18 at that time. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. was so cute. Yeah, there was a, I did that for school. I went to school right after high school for television production. And one of the, one of the projects we were supposed to do was a, doc, a documentary. And uh, so I decided to do it about boxing. So yeah, so I shot that whole thing. That was, that was technically the second thing I ever directed, I think. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was cute. It was done. You know, it was on, is is old school cameras, old school film, I mean, uh, tape, but, uh, but it, you know, I, I learned some stuff. And it's funny because when I watched it not too long ago, mm -hmm. um, I saw some cool shots and I'm like, oh, that's my style. Like the camera, like me walking and the camera going up to the sign. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's the stuff I, I shoot now to this day. I, I do stuff like that. Oh, that's so great, Joey. So what is the best advice someone gave you as a kid? <laughs> The best advice someone gave me as a kid. Um, mm, this, I probably have a lot of things, but the one thing that I learned as a kid that I, and it wasn't necessarily advice, but it was something very wise. I had a, I had a friend named Dave Valentine who was a jazz musician, world-class Grammy award winner and everything. And uh, I would always go to his house every day. He literally lived right next door, my apartment. Like I was, like I could open my door and touch his door, right? So we lived right next to each other. And and we were talking about fathers. And um, you know, he knew I didn't have a dad and everything. He told me, he says, he goes, You haven't you don't have a dad, but you've had several dads. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm your father. He goes, Your boxing trainer is your father, your mom is your father, you have all these other fathers, you know. And and I thought about it, I go, you know, he's right. I I, I actually am very lucky. I've even though I didn't grow up with a traditional dad. Although I met my dad now, and I'm glad everything's you know everything's fine, but I I grew up without a traditional dad. But I but I had many dads. I had boxing was my father. Many my trainer who I called dad, you know, the time was he he was my father. You know he it was my box my my boxing trainer in New York is Italian from the Bronx, and it was just like the uh, Bronx the movie Bronx Tale. It was exactly the same thing. He was, you know, he, he, he ran that neighborhood and he had a store, he had a, a social club, what they call his private social club. Yeah. He had, he had the boxing gym and I was his boy, you know, I was Joey. I was a little Puerto Rican boy that he, that he, that he took under his wing. So nobody messed with me in that neighborhood. Oh, so it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. So what yeah. are some of your hobbies, Joey? Oh Lord. Um, <laughs> But you know, now I'm at the age where my ho my hobbies are waking up. Uh, you know, I try to do that every day. Um, no, you know, it's I love comedy though, as much as I've always loved comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'll um, and I'm even you know I'm better at it now than I've ever been, and so I'm happy with it. Um, and I do comedy not because I I have to. I do comedy because I want to. So I'm very I'm real fortunate with that. But filmmaking, filmmaking really is my is is my other hobby or my passion or you know I I love preparing for it. It's a different animal. It's a different mm -hmm. um it's different than comedy. It's 
different than boxing. Um, you know, it's, it's a creative part of you that's different. And you get to plan, you get to, you know, you have this picture in your head, and you're like, okay, I have to do now, I have to do all these things to make that picture in my head on a screen. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, I love it. I, and I get better and better at that every, every, you know, every time I do, do something else. And um, I'm, I feel real confident. I used to, I used to re be not confident about filmmaking. I used to tell people, I do this, I do that. I, I would never say yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, I would never say I'm a director. I'm a filmmaker, never, ever. Um, but now I am, I, I, I'm proud to say it because I'm, I'm a director, I'm a producer, I'm a writer. I'm, uh, you know, an actor, but I even though eh, I don't care about mm -hmm. acting as much, but, um, but I am a, a, a great filmmaker and I'm very proud of it. I, and I think I could hold my own with anybody I, and I could sit there and talk about it forever and, and, you know, figure out how to do this, how to do that. And, 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 you know, and, I, and the thing is once if you can make a living or if you, just do the things you really like your hobby whatever it is your passion then you know it's not even work right you just you just have yeah fun you just do, you do it, it. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. great so um what when you first started comedy what were some of the things that you would talk about then oh my god when i first started <laughs> stand-up <laughs> i was i was so horrible um, no <laughs> i uh well, the problem I had, okay, uh, when I first started doing stand-up, I was very, very shy. I had stage fright. Like, the only way I could get on the stage is to have something in between me and the audience. So I wore glasses. I wore dark, like, Ray-Bans, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that I felt some, I felt safe. I was, like, behind something, right? Yes, yes. But, but then I'm thinking, it's going to look stupid wearing dark-ass glasses on a stage. I'm not blind, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> So I'm like, what? I need, I need a reason to wear these glasses. So I just, I came up with just a character, like a cholo character, and I wore, I wore, I wore a Raiders, Raiders cap and a leather jacket and dark glasses, and I did this whole act Mexican accent thing. And, oh my god, it was so bad. Like I look at it, I got laughs, but I was stupid. Like I look back now and I'm like cringe. I'm like, oh, so bad. I look at that the way people look at their prom pictures. I'm like, oh god, that wasn't me. Right? <laughs> so how long did it take you to get comfortable on stage? Well, it took me a while actually. It took me it took me maybe about a year to get comfortably uncomfortable. Where mm -hmm. I was still uncomfortable, but I was comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then, um, <laughs> That's a new one. Know, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And then it probably took me it probably took me maybe less than a year to uh get rid of that act cuz the way I, what happened was I was doing the same jokes but I went, I did a, I was asked to do a charity show for a bunch of bikers. And I remember, I'm like, oh, this, this Cholo thing ain't going to do well with these guys, right? <laughs> so, I, so I decided, you know, I was a little more confident because I've been doing it maybe a few months now. So I, I took the glasses off and I did the joke. I did the same set, but without, you know, without uh, an accent. And I'm like, oh, okay, this worked. So I, I dropped the, I dropped the whole accent. I dropped the whole glasses and stuff. You know, I was doing the same jokes, but. I, I dropped uh, all that other crap. Oh, that's great, Joey. So how does one, you started uh, in comedy in New York and then you went to Arizona and then you go more to the West Coast? Well, I started actually comedy in Arizona because I've already moved, um, when I was 19, I moved to Arizona to become professional, to box professional. Okay. And then um, after all of that, that's, uh, 
there was a new com- I love comedy. I always I, I would go to like one nighters in town and I would watch comedy. I just I love mm-hmm. comedy. And then they opened up a real comedy club. It was called Last Comedy Club in Tucson. And I was like, oh my God, it's a real comedy club. I want to go. And I remember the first day I went. I remember the first day I went into that comedy club. I looked at it the same way I looked at a boxing club when I first saw a boxing club. I was like, this is a real, you know, the bag. And I saw the comedy club and I saw the brick wall, the famous brick wall in the back. And I saw the, you know, I I, I saw the microphone and the lights. And I remember telling the 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 guy sitting on saying sit me in the back sit me in the back I don't want nobody to make fun of me you know I don't want, yeah. which I, people yeah. still do to this day and uh and then I watched it and I thought this is great I'm like oh my god so I just, I watched I went there a couple times and I remember they they promoted a they were doing a amateur night or open mic night on a Tuesday or something so I went that Tuesday with my friends you know kind of like you could do it you could do it and um and that's and that's and that's what I did I did that and I wore the glasses I did the whole thing you know mm-hmm. and um. But I was really nervous. I was, I was so nervous. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I and I did it okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a lot of sucky days, man. I had. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think every comic does, especially in the beginning. You know, you have days where you're like, "Oh my god, I, I wish I could be doing something else right now." <laughs> no, I understand because Mike, uh, it took him six months to get comfortable, and from his legs shaking. No, oh, yeah. It's scary, man. It, to be on a stage, not just talking, you have to make these people laugh. Like you have a goal, is and then not knowing what you're doing, it's crazy. It's 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 you know it's 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 um it's extremely scary, and and so many times, I was more scared on a comedy stage than I was in a boxing ring getting punches thrown at me. You know? No, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot scary. Not anymore. You're badass on stage now. <laughs> but it took me forever. It took me forever. <laughs> okay. So, um, what inspires you to write? Um, writing is, and, and I write really well. I'm a good writer. Um, but it's it's a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. You know, like um. The first time I actually wrote something was uh, I wrote a movie called El Matador Feature. And I wrote it for me to star in. I'm like, okay, okay. if I write my own feature, I could star in it. And I don't know where the hell I came up with that, but I did that. <laughs> but I remember, I remember as I was writing it, the lead character that I wrote, I'm noticing, I'm like, this isn't me. I'm not right for this part. You know, I, I realized I wasn't right for that part. So I decided at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to direct this. And then that's what I'll do. I'll direct this. Um, and not that I wanted to be a director necessarily, but I wanted to be a filmmaker. But I didn't know I didn't know what part of being a filmmaker I wanted to do. Yes. So I just know I wanted to create, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm writing. So I became a writer. Then, then I uh, directed. And then it's funny. After I directed El Matador, we were doing the credits, and I remember when we were doing producers. I'm like, wait a second. I was a producer on this too. I didn't know that. Okay, so I'm a producer too. So, 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 um, you know, I had other another producer on there too, my friend Jason. But I was a producer, and I didn't realize I was a producer, so I was doing the credits. And then I realized, okay, these are the things I like to do. I like I like directing the most. That's my favorite. I like producing second, and I like writing third. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you write like the things I write. I mean, now I write for a game show, which is you know has nothing to do with me. It's just it's the game show. But when I write projects for myself, I write them because I want to make them. 
You know, if if I found a script that I like, I would want to direct it. But um, if I ha don't have a script I like, I'm like I might as well write it. And I and I and I and I'm not. I don't pat myself in the back, mm -hmm. even though I I've won an award for writing. But um, I uh, I'm a good writer. I don't I don't like writing because it's tedious. Yes. But but so that's the part I hate the most. But I love the creativity of writing, of creating something and making an emotion. I wrote a script called Philly Delight for a short film that I'm going to be doing hopefully soon. It's about a, um, a trans, uh, transgender uh, 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 drag queen. Mm -hmm. And there's a portion of that script when I was writing it, I was crying. And like, as I was writing it, it was funny because I was doing this at the studio where I do the game show. Uh -huh. and other people in the office were like, hey, you all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just writing this script and it's so sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but because when I write, every, everybody writes different. Everybody has a yes. different style of writing, a different way they write. Um, the way I write is I, I, I write, when I do the character, when I'm writing a character's dialogue, mm -hmm. I'm not Joey, I'm the character. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, re I, I really feel like I'm writing, like so, a lot of times you're, you're the character writing your story. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and 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 the words that are coming out, I didn't think mm -hmm. about them. They, they're coming out naturally. Like it's like this is what this person would say, and um, yeah. and that's what's coming out. And so, in in many many in, in many ways, it's the first time I hear it as mm -hmm. a character saying it. So when I was writing this, when I was writing a a, a, a really important scene of, of that script, um, with a very emotional scene. I started crying because mm -hmm. I'm like I could see it. I visually see when I write. I see pictures. I see video. I see I see the images. Um, I see them in the car. I see them walking. I see them sitting. I see them talking. I see mm -hmm. them doing whatever's in the script. I, I see it visually see it up here. So when when I wrote that scene, I was like I was crying. I'm like oh my god, this is such a sad scene, and I feel it. And like mm -hmm. I could see the character. I could see him. You know, and 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 um and I think that's that's a good way to write. Yes, and it's a good story too, because a yeah, lot of um, they don't have an outlet. Some no, no, you know what it's I mean? things. Things are way better now. And like for instance, the, mm -hmm. the story that I that I wrote takes place in the late '80s. Mm -hmm. So, um, so back then there's a big AIDS epidemic. You know, gays were still looked at very differently than they are mm -hmm. looked at now. And then someone who's transgender even more. You know. What yeah. I mean? So it was that was like oh that's a freak show, so so that's one of the reasons why I I, I made made it for that era because I because I couldn't get the same emotion for something now because it's not it's not as believable for someone being treated oh unless you're in a hick town unless you're you know but in a big city like New York or Los Angeles being gay today it's nothing yes. right so oh, yes. so I had so I had to make it. Uh, something where where it was more important, except when you do that, the, it changes the budget. You know, you got to worry about wardrobe now. You got to have that mm -hmm. kid and play kid and play clothes. You know, MC Hammer pants. You gotta you gotta make sure cars are not, you know, brand new cars are not in the shot. You know, so yeah. you can you got to try to get older cars. You got to try to maybe have the music a little different. You got to have uh, you know wardrobe different. So so there's more, even though you do it that way, there's more. Uh, more moving parts and, and it becomes a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. Thank you for writing that story. Oh, thank you. I love that story. I can't yeah. wait to do it. You should see this next one I'm doing though. It's really, really okay. good too. Which one, what is it? What is it? <laughs> it's it's uh, okay. It, 
I have a working title, so I'm not even gonna tell you the title, but I'll give you, okay. I'll give you, it's basically about this white middle-aged man, mm-hmm. uh, businessman, you know, uh, two kids, wife, he finds out he has uh, terminal cancer and he's gonna die mm-hmm. soon. But so he doesn't know what to do, but he just, he knows that if, in his life insurance, that if he gets killed in a homicide, the life insurance pays twice as much. Oh. So he decides not to tell his, his family that he's sick. And um, he decides to ask somebody to, to kill him, mm-hmm. pay, him pay somebody to kill him. Oh. That, that person backs out. Mm-hmm. So he's dressed, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's desperate. He's driving around, he ends up driving around Compton, the worst neighborhoods in, in LA, right? And he goes passes an alley and he sees two guys doing a drug deal. And he parks the car and he goes into the alley. And now there's only one of the guys, the drug dealers left. And he walks up to the drug dealer and the drug dealer's like, what are you doing? You know, they go, what do you want? He just looks at him, he doesn't know what to do. And he, and he just calls him the N-word. And the, and the guy's like, what? And he calls it again. And he said, what? So this guy punches him. And he just keeps coming back. He's like, you just dirty. And he just... So before you know it, this guy just beats him, beats him, beats him. Mm-hmm. He beats him so much, the guy is pummeled, right? He's on the ground. The guy, mm-hmm. and, the, and the black character sits next to him, exhausted. He's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And, he, the, and the, the white character is like, why don't you just shoot me? And he's like, I don't got a gun. You think I'm, a, I'm black? Is that, you know, I got a gun because I'm black. Mm-hmm. So they, they actually get to know each other. They, they, they talk about each other's families. He, mm-hmm. he explains to him why he's, why he's doing what he's doing. And it's funny because the white character, his wife and children are black. So, you know, he wasn't racist at all. He just, he didn't know what to do. And he just pulled something out of his butt and said, oh, I'm just going to get somebody to kill me. So they have this really deep conversation and, you know, the story happens after that. But that's, that's, that's the, the, the one I'm shooting next. It wasn't mm-hmm. scheduled next, but the reason I'm shooting this one next is because of Corona. So it's only two, two characters, two actors and a small crew, one location which is gonna be a lot easier to do with during the quarantine than the other film I, I shot. Cause the other sh- film I shot, it's a lot more people involved, a lot more mm-hmm. extras involved, a lot of crew and more days. So that is not, you know, safety wise, it's probably gonna be the best thing to do right now. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Me too, this is gonna be really mm-hmm. good. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's, it sounds interesting. Okay, you have, uh, you have written and uh, one of those uh, sitcom pilots, a man of a funny age yeah i wrote i've written two sitcom pilots uh oh actually one then the other one i i was a writer on but the one i wrote man of a funny age was i did for myself mm-hmm. and uh the story behind that was i was um my career was really at a low point financially i was mm-hmm. in a low point and i didn't know what to do i'm like i gotta snap out of this i gotta get something going mm-hmm. and i watched an interview with uh Comedian Louis C.K. This was before you know he masturbated on people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so I remember you know he he was talking about the thing about Louis C.K. is he's a great director, writer, and a producer, mm-hmm. and he does his own stuff. And um, he was you know talking about how he came up with his sitcom Louis, and you know they get the studio gave him x amount of money, and he shot a pilot, and he did it himself, he edited himself, he did all that himself, and uh, and I remember. See, hearing that and going, man, I wish I could do that. Then I said, wait a second, I can. Mm-hmm. I have all my equipment. I ha- I know what I'm doing. I know how to write. I know how to produce. I know how to write. I'm not, oh, shit, I'll do it myself. So I, I, I thought about it, thought about it. I go, what am I going to write? 
And um, I kind of took my life at that time and I exaggerated it a little bit to make it sound worse. And uh, I did it about, you know, my, my me struggling mm -hmm. uh, comedian who was doing well. And then all of a sudden started struggling, was living in a friend's mm -hmm. guest house and da, 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 who's middle-aged and, you know, and, um, and then I put it together. I wrote it. I, put, I casted it, produced it, and got it done. I, I did it for very little money. You know, Louis C.K. did his pilot for, I think, $250,000. Mm -hmm. I did my, I did mine for $4,000. Um, but good you can't tell. Yeah, thank you. yeah it's really good. Because I, I almost cried in the ending. Oh, I really felt I felt your lines. Yes. I really felt your lines. Was that real? Uh, the ending? Yeah, well, you were, are, you talk, are you talking about the scene where me and my mom? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a really, really, that is like the dramatic scene of that mm -hmm. comedy. Um, and for, 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 for your, 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 your people who are watching right now, the way that scene worked was me and my mom are having a really heavy conversation. But as a director, when I wrote that scene, um, I saw another a Louis C.K. show there was a scene where he does this one take where there's the camera is is moving around him and this character. And I, when I saw that, I loved it. I go, mm -hmm. oh my God, it's such a beautiful shot. You know, it's one take and the camera's moving and it's, and it's emotional and motion. So when I wrote that scene, I thought, hey, this scene will be perfect for shooting it on one shot with that. And it's an emotional scene. So, yeah. we, so we shot that 10 times that the take you saw on there was a tenth take, and which was hard because my my uh, Stephen, my my cinematographer is holding the camera like this on 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 the steady cam thing, and it's like it was really hard on his arms. Mm -hmm. The scene is the scene is I think I don't know how many minutes. It's a few minutes long. Yes, um, I think it's like four minutes long or whatever. But all one take to that, no cutting, you know that dialogue, and so me and my mom in that scene where I tear up, I really mm -hmm. teared up. At the end of that scene, I teared up, and then um, the the woman who who played my mom, who, who's great, she teared up, you know. Yes. And uh -huh, and and we and we gave at the you know we hugged. It was part of it, and um, uh, I was really really excited about it. it uh, mm -hmm. Her name is Tina. T Tina. Mm -hmm. Tina was great, and um, yeah, and and so it was, you know that's part of acting. You just you got to act, and you got to feel it. Because the things I was saying in that scene we're all true. Mm -hmm. All the all the things I was saying, you know, it's about me and my mom and my mom working hard and she gave me a $5 allowance and it was mm -hmm. on a Wednesday and all that stuff. And all that was really, that, those are stories that my mom told me. And, you know, I love it. Yeah. So, so I put that all in there and, um, and I was very proud of that. I was very proud of that mm -hmm. show because that, that is done very well. Yes, it was. I told myself. And it meant something to me because there's a story there, you know. And it, and it, and as a director, it uh, I got to do something that that I haven't done as a director before, which was to direct myself. Now I've done it in small parts, but I've never done it in in a huge, you know, in a in a huge scene or a huge uh, um, whole episode. Like I'm literally in every scene in that episode, so I had to direct it, produce it, and write it and mm -hmm. act it all at the same time. And and sometimes there was a scene. In the scene, I think you you know you remember is this, there was a, a party scene at Russell Peters' house, which was actually Russell Peters' house that we. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And there's and there's a dialogue I have where me and my friend Drew are having a conversation with uh, 
uh, a little person named Nick. He's got his girlfriend. And when we shot that scene, um, I had a, had a, I was so stressed because I had so many mm -hmm. things going on as a director that I couldn't remember the lines. I couldn't remember the lines. And I finally had to go, guys, give me, give me five minutes. And I just decompressed. I walked around. I just relaxed. I said, oh, Jerry, come down. You got too many things in mind. And I went back and I did it and I nailed it. But, uh, but it was very difficult. You know, it was very difficult because I'm like, that's too many things. I was arguing with the makeup person. I, uh, one of the actors, <laughs> one of the actors got lost. You know, like, so all of this is happening. Yes. I have to do a scene, you know, and it was just very, uh, a scene with a lot of dialogue. So mm -hmm. it was very, uh, yeah, it was a lot more difficult than, than you see. And then the funny thing is, you know, when you watched, when you watched the scene, it looks like it was a big party and it wasn't, it was nobody there. Mm -hmm. You know, we had maybe three extras and we, all we did was change their bathing suits and put them in different places. And then we used the crew as the other people, you know, and that was it. But, but with the, with the sound effects and with the, with the editing, it seemed like a big party. I was really proud of that, that I made, a, I made an empty place feel like it's full. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it because I want to see part two. I want to oh, see the second. Too. I want so to do I. <laughs> there was a part, let me see if I can, oh yeah, it says like this. When you were talking to your mom and you took her to your friend's house and it says, now I know why he likes working at the Price is Right. At the Price oh, is Right, that is definitely yes. the demographic or something like that. Yes. I started yeah. cracking up. Yeah, that's the real <laughs> announcer, George Gray. That's one of my friends and that's where I was living at the time. I was living in his guest house and, uh, he so George asked me if he he asked me actually if he could be in the in my thing and I said yeah of course but he didn't want to play himself he wanted to be something different I'm like well how about if you play yourself but we will exaggerate it we'll make it a different you know you're where you're attracted where you're where you're into old old women that's the thing right and he, he liked it he said, okay okay so then so then when I wrote it I wrote I wrote it with that like him, like being a mm -hmm. Casanova, but with these real old ladies. And, <laughs> and, and then when I introduced him to my mom, he hits on my mom, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I wrote it that way for him. He really liked it a lot. He, you know, he did it for me, and it was, it was just right there in, in his pool. That was our pool, and um, so yeah. So then, so I wrote that for for that character, which was cool because it was mm -hmm. real and fake. It was real and and fake at the same time. Yeah, because I like unpredictable movies. Oh, yeah, that's what I love. I love what I love. So you also have other uh, movies you've written, like Chewy, the dog Chewy. Yeah, that was a Chewy was a trailer that I shot. It was I wrote the movie. I wrote a movie mm -hmm. called Chewy for a company for a company that was going to do a movie about dogs, and they loved it, and they had me shoot a trailer. But that's all we did. The company ended up not doing well financially. They couldn't make the movie. But they paid me for the script. I did the script, mm -hmm. and uh, I shot a trailer for them. But I didn't. We didn't get to sh actually shoot the movie. But uh, that was actually fun because I got to learn how to work with animals. We had a mm -hmm. dog. Obviously, the the movie's about a dog, and um, so you get to learn. So basically, as as what I did was I learned what tricks the dog that we got can do, and then I wrote the scenes for the tricks that he can do. So like, it, like, you know, for, with, with, with most dogs, usually tricks are uh, done with food. Yeah. So if you want him to move something, you know, like if you want him to move uh, somebody's cell phone or something, you just put food underneath it and that's how you do it. So little oh, tricks like wow. that. So if you want, so you can get him to go, like there's a scene 
in that trailer where he comes out of a, a tube, he mm -hmm. stops, he looks around, then he keeps going. So the way you the way we shot that was we had uh, two trainers mm -hmm. or three trainers, I think. We, so we had when we had when he came out, we had one of the trainers tell him to stop. So he's looking at the trainer this way. Then there's another trainer here that calls him and he looks to that one. Then the other trainer calls, he looks at that one. And then the third trainer tells him to come and then he goes. So it looks like you don't hear, obviously you, we take the sound out so you don't hear the trainers talk. But when, the, when you see the video, the dog comes, he looks, he looks around, then he goes. And you're like, wow, that's a smart dog. But yeah. he's, just doing, he's just doing what he's told, you know? Because <laughs> that movie is like a Home Alone, right? Yeah, it's, home, it's, basically, it's basically Home Alone for a dog. <laughs> I just thought it was so cute. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's cool. And now, just like Macaulay Coughlin, the, the dog has drug problems. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then you did that El Matador, which was really funny. I like it. Thanks. Yeah. Food stamps. Yeah, I'm in food stamps. I'm in a movie called, and I and I was on food stamps. No, I, I did a movie called Food Stamps, but as an actor, and I did it. Uh, I played a gay character named Pierre. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was fun. I had, I had a lot of fun mm -hmm. doing it. Um, a lot of good people in, in it. Um, I just went in. I did one day's worth of work, did my, my roles, and left. But it was fun. It was lots of fun. But I like, I, you know what? I, I was thinking about it because I was watching your videos and stuff like that. But I really like the character when you dress up like a woman. I really, I love it. So I oh, wanted yeah, yeah. to see more. I just, I just think it fits. <laughs> it, it's just perfect, I think. I just I love do. it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a... Uh, and not that it's wrong, but like I'm 100% straight, but I do, I play a gay character so well. I don't know why. I think it's because I my best it. friend, I think, I think, I think it's, been, it's because my best friend in high school was gay. Mm -hmm. And, and I would imitate him all the time. And because I would imitate him to make him laugh, and I would imitate him to make girls laugh. So, so I was really always good with it. You know, I would always do my thing. So I just find that very, you know, I find that very, I just find that fun. And, it's fun and, and beautiful. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, so, you know, that's good. And then, uh, I, and Real Rob, which is Rob Snyder's mm -hmm. sitcom on Netflix. You can watch me on there. Uh, I play a gay character again on that show. So oh, yeah, <laughs> I played a gay character bit. many, many times. I've played gay character. It's perfect, played, it's perfect. Uh, Just keep it up, on, keep it up. Cause I left that on character. Ro Ro on Roseanne, I played a gay character. On El Matador, my movie, I played a gay character. On Rob Snyder's show, I played a gay character. Um, yeah, I play a gay character a lot. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that character. That's how and then, um, let me see. Okay, well, the last question would be, what kind of advice would you give others who are inspiring writers and directors? It's, it, just do it. Like, that's really the best, the best advice, I think, in anything, whether it's a sport, uh, uh, art, you know, comedy filmmaking, just do it. And the beautiful thing about filmmaking now that's different from before is you can make a film with anything now. You could just use your phone. Mm -hmm. You could edit on your phone. You can direct and you can do everything on your phone. Um, sh nothing should hold you back. And, and the, you know, the, the proof of the pudding is if you go on TikTok, all, that's all filmmakers really. They're doing little tiny videos, but it's a, it's a video. You know, YouTube, um, Instagram, all these videos, all these uh, content bringers or whatever okay. they call them now, um, all they're doing is making these little videos, making little sketches, and that's filmmaking. You know, everybody, there's all kinds of filmmakers, just like there's all kinds of comedians, right? 
So my stuff is a little different. I'm really not, I don't do those kind of sketches. I don't do that. Um, I want to do bigger things, you know, more cinematic things. Yeah. So that's me. I want I want I want to do more cinematic things. But um, but for anybody out there who wants to be a writer, start writing. Start, you know, if you want to be a script writer, rent buy scripts or just look. I'm sure you can find them online for free mm -hmm. and see how writers write, see how scripts are done, see how you know, a television script is going to be different than uh, a film movie script. You know, uh, a sketch script is going to be different. Uh, all those things are going to be different. So you want to learn how to write different ways to accomplish different things. Yeah, thank you, Joey. Thank you for that great advice. Thank you for letting me interview Welcome. you. Anytime. You know, I love you guys. Thank you, thank you very <laughs> much. We love you too, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. Give Mike my, my best. I love Mike. I see. I was there's one of the times Mike. You know when we did the uh, Latin Palooza, which I'm mm -hmm. extremely proud of. Um, you know Mike was, I think, probably the first person I uh, I wanted to have on that because he was, you know, kind enough to have me on his his shows. You know, and I and I never forgot that. So I'm like, all right, Mike, you're on. And uh, he had a great set. We all had a great time. And I think when, it was one of those projects that when we did it, we all knew, okay, this is going to be good. This is this is going to be really good. It's not just going to suck. So <laughs> yeah, no, I love that when y'all um y'all get together and okay, well I'm going to be on here and you're going to be on mine. So y'all take turns being on each other's show and that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't even you know it wasn't even anything that was said. It was just it was the right thing you know and but it was well deserved. I mean, Mike Mike was great. Mike Mike's accomplished so much in this in this in this uh in this field that we're in you know and, and he produced some of the and he's helped make some of the best comedians that are out there so you know it was uh you have two i saw your resume i was like oh my god and i was like where do i start <laughs> uh, i want to add more i want to add more to it yeah I, that's what i was saying i was like when when do you know it's enough or like do you feel like you don't create enough you know what i mean yeah, I, I don't create enough. I want to create more, and that's the truth. <laughs> there are people. There are people that do more and more all the time, but you know, sometimes life gets in the way. But I have no excuse. I should be doing it, and I I love doing it. I really do love doing it, and I want to get to the point where I'm doing. I'm I'm not projects just for myself. I'm doing projects for for you know, for networks yeah. and for production companies. That's that's my real goal. Yeah, I would love to see that. And Me you're too. doing it. And you're doing it. Yeah, you're, you're I have a lot, I'm building a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, calling cards, a lot of work that I've that, that I can show. So, and it's all good, man. And, you know, like El Matador, it's pretty rough. But if you're, if you're in high or drunk, mm -hmm. El Matador is great to watch. No, I liked it. I really did. <laughs> oh, good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I liked it. No, no, you don't need to be high. It's a good movie. <laughs> it is. It, it's technically it's got issues. But it's uh -huh. uh, but it was my it was my film school. That's why I learned how to how to how to be a director and how to you know how to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joey. Thank, thank you. Very you. Much. Take right, care. It's my dog. My dog's saying hi. <laughs> hey, hey, Roxy. <laughs> Roxy. <laughs> right, see you. Well, thank you very much, Joey. Thank you, everybody, bye -bye. for tuning in. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye, guys. <laughs>